welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. My name is Ben Standig, and yes, I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. One week from today, meaning Monday night, I will be in Richmond, Virginia, getting ready for the Washington football team's start of training camp. They're spending, you know, just under a week uh, in Richmond, then it's back to Ashburn, but we start off in the RVA, and I will be down there for the athletic. Um, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be lying to you if I said I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to go because, obviously, look, football is fun, and I'm happy for my job and all that stuff. But, like, you know, I don't know, kind of kind of, want to have some more fun. We're, 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 you know, we're not even to August yet. Now I got to start thinking about, uh, uh, thinking about uh, uh, you know, ending the fun. That That's not fun. But, okay. Could be worse, so we're not gonna we're not gonna complain. We're just gonna point out. I know some people are super excited. Uh, you know, I'll, I'm I'm there to a degree, but you know, not in not in full. But I am very glad to be back here for another episode of the podcast. Guest today, he is the man behind Football Outsiders. He is Aaron Schatz. Uh, the Football Outsiders just put out their new 2021 almanac. I have got. It's a huge book. I have it in my hand. You can, of course, order it online. Aaron will give you more details when we get into that conversation. But but needless to say, Football Outsiders puts out some of the most comprehensive analytics uh, and just general football information out there. We went through a bunch about what they what 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 they have for the Washington football team uh, regarding the defense. Uh, we, you know, sometimes I feel like we I probably shortchanged the defense because we talk so much about the quarterbacks. But we went into a deep, deep look at the defense. Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously Scott Turner, uh, breakout, breakout player, and um, and just you know, kind of how the the overall view for this team will be. And we got to you know, tie it into some other NFL uh, tidbits here and there. So that's going to be this episode of the podcast with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Now, of course, you can, of course, uh, always find all of our episodes on iTunes or Spotify. If you're an iTunes person, you've heard me say this before. But if you haven't, um, look if you got if you got you know ten seconds to uh, to to drop a five star rating and, and write a really quick hey this podcast rules review. It goes a long way. I promise you that. Uh, if you want to read my work on the Athletic, you can do that. Uh, go to theathletic.com. <laughs> Um, and you can subscribe there. There's a new article out today that I'll talk about later this week. And that is we we did a fan survey asking you guys questions about what you think is going on with the Washington football team. And the results are up on the website. You can read that out. And I will talk about that a little bit uh, more later in the week. But, of course, also that's where I'm going to have all my training camp uh, work will be on that site. Um I, I don't have a ton else to, to get into right now. I'll have more podcasts coming up this week. And, uh, you know, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a quiet time right now, which is a good thing. We just had, um, you know, the Brandon Scherf situation uh, end with him with uh, you know, no, no extension. Uh, the franchise tag will be in play for Scherf for a second straight year. Um, we've talked about that a bunch. And, you know, the rest of it at this point, you know, knock on wood, it looks like we'll be going into training camp, you know, with the with this team intact. I guess in theory, um, you know, there could be a 
a Jonathan Allen contract extension, perhaps at any point here you know, between now and camp. I mean, it, it could happen during camp. I guess there's always the possibility that Washington could sign a veteran defensive lineman at some point along the way. Um, you know, and look, there's always a possibility of an end of the roster type move one way or the other. But at the end of the day, um, you know, um, you know, it looks like this will be the group that's going to be with this team heading into Richmond. And, uh, you know, look, I, I, as I said, I wasn't necessarily jacked to have a um, I wasn't necessarily jacked about, you know, ending my vacation. But I will be excited to see different things to have to be able to talk about something different, whether it's a, a you know, a, a depth chart. Uh, lineup based on who is you know starting with who's running with the ones or who's practicing where um or just how does somebody look and and uh you know things along those lines um you know that that much will be fun to have something new and different to talk about i am excited for that um for sure so we'll get to all that um so so we'll we'll start talking about this team in just a second with aaron shots from football outsiders just one quick note of course the wizard since i was on last hired wes until jr as their new head coach, they had a press conference today on Monday to uh, introduce him officially with Ted Leontis uh, and GM Tommy Shepard. Um, look, all, all people have asked me, what do I think about the move? I, I will just say simply this. Um, by every measure, Wes Unsell Jr. is pretty qualified for this job. Um, you know, he's been an assistant for a long time. He's, he's gone, for, worked a lot of different places, including Washington previously, most recently with, with the Nuggets. Um, you know, you know, obviously you're going to hear a lot of nice things said about a new hire, but you know, you can try to read between the lines and it does seem like he's somebody that, you know, is, is, uh, has earned this opportunity. Of course, it's also the most wizards thing ever to hire the, um, son of the most famous player in franchise history. So, um, there's that component of this too. We wish everybody the best. It's a, it's a hopeful day whenever you have something new, um, and interesting like that to, to mention and discuss. So good for the Wizards on that. We'll see what happens. The draft and free agency start soon enough. So we will see what steps take place and what, if anything, changes with Wes Huntel Jr. on the bench. Um, you can, of course, go read my colleagues Fred Katz and David Aldridge over on The Athletic for more on that. But for now, um, let's, have, let's get into my conversation with Aaron Schatz from... Football Outsiders, if you want to follow Aaron on Twitter, he is at F-O-A-S-C-H-A-T-Z, but it's pronounced Shots, Aaron Shot. So we'll do that right now. Talk Washington football team here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, as promised, here to help us get a little bit smarter about the Washington football team and the NFL season overall, he is the man with behind all things with Football Outsiders. He is... Aaron Schatz, I've got his almanac, the, the new 2021 Football Outsiders Almanac is right in front of me. You guys need to go get that on the website or on um, the Amazon or I don't know. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's in multiple places to get to, to, to get it. Is, is that uh, how, how exciting is it to put out this book? This book is massive. <laughs> is it a, is it as exciting every year when you're putting this out like it's a new kid? I mean, it's three or four months of my life, so uh, it's fine to get it finished. Certainly feels good, and I can take a nice deep breath. Uh, the electronic version you get by going to our site, footballoutsiders.com, and becoming a subscriber to our FO Plus service, which is actually on sale right now for just a dollar a week uh, through the season. 
And that gets you our fantasy projections and a bunch of fantasy tools and our big database of stats and a copy of Football Outsiders Almanac online. Or if you want the big print version like you showed, you can go to Amazon and get that for $29.99. Yeah, I'll be honest. I actually did, uh, did, did both because I just like the print version. I think that's because I'm, I'm, like, I'm getting old now. I just, like the, I just like things in my hand I like to read. It's like with the newspaper. You know, I still like to... Well, you can have a historical, for example, like historical history of books that goes all the way back to 2005. <laughs> right. And also it's big enough to kill mosquitoes because it's so thick. So it actually has multiple uses. It makes you a smarter football fan and it kills bugs. Nice. I, I, I will say it is heavy. I debate yesterday. I, I took a walk to go to a coffee shop to, to read it but it was it was either bring that or my laptop i wasn't i wasn't strong enough i didn't feel to bring both so i, I picked the book and we, we left the laptop um home for the day um all right so we've got a lot to get to in the time that we have you here and obviously um i jumped in i got i, I got a hold of this uh almanac over the weekend and jumped into some of the stuff at the top of the book but also of course the washington football team and that's obviously going to be what we're what we're talking about but i, I wanted to start off sort of broadly with this obviously the point of all this is on some level you're it's just say here's what happened last year some previous years based on that data based on our film work we're going to tell you as best we can project what we think is going to happen now going forward but last year i think think this is breaking news was weird for all of us for the covid for the pandemic and obviously that's got to factor in somewhat with everything that transpired obviously here in washington covid affected I can't say it affected everybody equally, but I mean, everybody had to deal with it. Washington had its own unique set of circumstances, actually not so much because of COVID. They didn't really have any big issues on that front, but 20,000 other things happened here over the course of the the year. You you think? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just a bit. So when you're doing this, how different was factoring, looking at this with this data from last year because of COVID? Or did the NFL just, you know, look, they did play all the games with some weird schedule stuff, but ultimately everything got off done did it not feel that it was a major challenge to, or, or, or a major difference when assessing last year versus other years? The problem is that we don't know what the effects of the year after will be. Like last year, we projected it the same way we project every year because we didn't know what the effects would be. This year, we don't know what the effects of the year after will be. Like, what does it mean that rookies in their second year players, at least, are having their first real off season? I have no idea what that means. So I think as far as statistical methods, we're just using the methods that we normally use. Um, I mean, the biggest issue is players missing time due to COVID or opting out due to COVID. Uh, And we've accounted for that the same way we account for other injuries. You know, for example, you know, in our projections for 2021, we give credit for players who are returning from opt-outs. Gotcha. So, like, you put, among the things you point out in, in, in the beginning of the, the the book, just sort of as a you know, get it, get people up to date with kind of things that happened last year. Among the things, uh, more points were scored on average per game uh, than at any point. Twenty four point eight completion percentage, an all time high. Interceptions and fumbles, though, were down. And you guys said that some of this is perhaps COVID related, but not completely. There's a lot of rule changes happening around the league. One that stood out to me in part because of things that happened around here, offensive penalties were way down. It actually kind of made me think to myself, Oh, I wonder if that's perhaps part of the factor with Washington, how they assess Morgan Moses. We don't have to get into that, but like they moved on from him. He had a pretty good year by the number by various numbers. And yet at the same time, 
his penalties were had been pretty up and maybe they weren't as hot last year because of rule changes and, and all and all, and all, all that stuff. And so as I'm looking, as I'm thinking about this numbers, here's what came to mind for me. I watched Washington play all the games last year. That's kind of my job. <laughs> so I kind of had to do that. And I get that the defense was considered to be very good by a lot of statistical measures. And obviously by the personnel, the four first round picks on the defensive line, uh, Kendall Fuller, Landon Collins, whoever else you want to point to. And now they add Jamin Davis and so on. But I didn't think to myself, wow, I'm watching some dominant defense. That's probably because I'm in my head comparing it to dominant defenses that I saw when I grew up. I'm not saying the 85 Bears, but other teams where I just felt like, wow, if, if, you, if, if you can get 10 to 20 points off this team, good for you. But it didn't always feel that way, except when they were playing a team that had the third string quarterback in there or like the Eagles week one had a really beat up um, offensive line but then I see these numbers like you're saying the numbers keep going up for the offenses and I'm thinking do I need to recalibrate what it means to be a dominant defense in 2021 that this is obviously also the point of what football outsiders is it's not about the eye test (laughs) you're you're trying to you're trying to explain what's happening but is that sort of do I need to reassess what it really means to be a dominant defense because at times they were but not look at the playoff game against Tom Brady they gave up 500 yards of, of, of offense is that a I don't know is that something that maybe we all should need re- reconsider in this day and age I think that a little bit that's correct I think the first thing is that you have to remember that what it means to dominate on defense today is very different than what it means to have dominated against like you know for Baltimore in like 2000 right the offensive levels around the league were much lower 20 years ago than they are now I think the other thing is you have to remember the way that offense and defense work together So when the offense was bad and gave the defense a short field to defend, the defense doesn't look as good as it really is. One thing that our stats do is they control for that. They control for the fact that, you know, there's only so much a defense can do when the other team gets the ball at midfield. Uh, And so that defense may not look as dominant as it really is because their offense is constantly putting them in bad positions. The other thing I'd say is that the, even after you adjust for the quality of the offenses that they're facing, the Tampa Bay game was one of Washington's worst defensive games of the year. So don't judge them on that one game. Judge them on all the games that they played throughout the year. Um, and, and absolutely. And like I said, by, by a lot different numbers, especially you know, the numbers that you guys have, uh, looking at their, the, the, the defensive uh, DVOA, obviously, you know, they're, they're way, way up there but you also guys made the point i think you guys i think it's called the plexiglass principle i'm not smart enough to know if you guys invented that or if that's a thing but <laughs> anyway the, the the point is that uh saying that teams so washington significantly improved over the previous year obviously to any of us who are watching it that was a, a, a no-brainer you know new coaching staff chase young comes in what what have you um but the plexiglass principle the point is that teams significantly improve on one side of the ball tend that unit tends to decline the, the the next year, and that Washington's defense last year was the eighth biggest um, jump. Uh, let me see if I have this right. Since the start of tracking DVO, DVOA in 1983, and of those pre- other seven, um, only two stayed in the top ten the previous year. Now there's some other data that would suggest well, some teams right below Washington actually stayed up pretty high. So yeah, don't just look. At, at what was in front of them um and you guys said in the in the in the uh washington section said that uh quote what the washington defense could be more aligned with that group of teams the ones below them i'm saying than the ones above them so that said i guess i'm just from your perspective 
what do we expect? What, what's your what's your sense of this Washington defense uh, ascending? Could be a step back. What what's your sense of of where of where these guys might be? First of all, credit goes to Bill James, the baseball analyst, because he is the one who created the plexiglass principle or discovered the plexiglass principle. Uh, and you're right. Uh, the, the teams that had even better improvement than Washington tended to fall back a lot, but the ones that are just behind Washington tended to stay in the top 10. I think what's most likely is that they take a small step backwards, but stay in the top seven or eight defenses. Is, is that a step backwards just because so much went right their way? I think like one, yeah. there's, there's tons of stats you could obviously point to. One was in the, in here, uh, league high, 42 drop passes by opponents. Washington had benefited the most from that. Again, you can point to other stats and go all the different directions. They also played a lot of backup quarterbacks. So uh, even after we adjust for opponent, we're not necessarily adjusting for the quality of those backup quarterbacks. So their defense may not have been quite as good as it looked. Uh, by our stats. So uh, I think that they can arrest some of that decline with the quality of the players that they added. In particular, they have a number one cornerback now. They didn't have that before, and they struggled against number one receivers. And that should be a less of a problem now that they have William Jackson. Right. No, that's, it's, it's, it's uh, absolutely a factor of return. They also now draft Jamin Davis. Their linebacker unit was easily the weakest uh, again, maybe at least from the eye test perspective, not quite sure what, what the numbers have, but I would imagine probably somewhere in line with that. And Ron Rivera called that unit out multiple times during the year. And it's not coincidence that they spent a first round pick on, on, on that. But so much, of course, with this defense sort of starts with that defensive line. Uh, we all get it. The four first round, four consecutive first round picks. There's a lot with culminating a Chase Young winning rookie of the year last year. You also have Matt Ioannidis coming back from, from an injury and so much starts with that as you look at that group um i, I guess I'm, I'm just always fascinated by who, who's going to take the step up right we want to look forward here so when you look at that group based on whatever it is your, your film work your eye test or your numbers who who's most interesting for that group? i don't know if the interesting is the right word but what who, who of that foursome is really the one for you that kind of stands out that if you know either they personally could take another level or maybe their performance or whatever it is that they do is going to take washington uh, defense possibly up a level. I mean, the, the obvious answer is Chase Young because he's in his second year and you expect that players will improve in their second year, you know, as they're gradually getting used to the NFL. And like I said, right, this is the first time Chase Young has had a full off season. So I mean, that's the clear name. There's nobody in the Washington front who you're like looking at their hurries compared to their sacks and you're like, okay, that player should have more sacks next year. There's nobody who really jumps out like that. So, I mean, the clear answer would be Chase Young, just second-year improvement. See, I just wanted to give you an easy one there. I wanted to, like, you know, I didn't want to, you know, you, you have to think a lot for your for, for your world. I wanted to give you an easy one. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, obviously Chase Young, right, the, the second year, obviously showed an, an, an immense amount of talent. But, you know, Montez Sweat, um, you know, was really impressive last year. And, obviously, you know, he doesn't get talked about as much as Chase Young. But, you know, maybe he would have if his draft stopped, if, his, if he didn't fall in the draft because of some medical or some health concerns that year. And then you have Deron Payne, who I feel like we're always kind of like waiting for like the, here's the Pro Bowl year from Deron Payne. I say always waiting. It's only been three years. Um, you know, we're kind of waiting. He's been very good. We're waiting maybe to, for him to get to the Pro Bowl level. And then there's Jonathan Allen, whose sack totals have gone down. But I would argue he had his best all-around 
year last year, again, for at least from the eye test perspective. Um, and then, you know, I, I just coming in gives you more depth. He led the team in sacks in 2019. And that was sort of why I was like, all right, I, I, I'll leave it sort of open and see if there's an answer beyond, uh, <laughs> beyond, uh, beyond pain was uh, pain was also very strong on run tackles last year. He had the number one stop rate of how often his run tackles prevented a successful play. Gotcha. Okay. Um, could you, um, I guess, based on what you, we saw last year with regards to Jack Del Rio, how he was running the team, did anything stand out to you as far as from a game planning perspective, what they did? And perhaps you mentioned adding a William Jackson. I mentioned Jamin Davis. Is there anything that could possibly you see that could possibly be be different or what those moves might suggest about what they're looking to do uh, going forward? They were 25th in use of man coverage last year. So maybe with William Jackson around, they increased their use of man coverage a little bit. That's the one thing that sort of sticks out to me. They're very average in how often they blitz, like not a ton, but not none, pretty much in the middle. Gotcha. And in terms of that defensive ride, we just mentioned a bunch of different people and there's obviously some other guys we we didn't mention if we, if, if, um, well, actually, let me go back when you and maybe you said this already, and I apologize. But when you said possibly like a little bit, a little re- re- regression, is there something on this defense that still kind of gives you some some pause, some concern, whether it's personnel specifically or even just? Or no, it's really just about upper level. It's really just about upper level numbers that there really just are. I mean, there's two ways to look at a football team, right? There's sort of from the bottom up, you know, piecing it together through the personnel, and there's from the top down. Just what are the top level numbers? And the thing about the defense likely declining, it's just the idea is just the top level numbers, just things just went really, really right. And they're just not likely to go that really, really right for two straight years. Right, right. And you mentioned some of that. They got some backup quarterbacks last year. Some uh, when they played the Eagles in Dallas, I don't, I, I don't even know how many starting offensive linemen either of those teams had. In, in, oh, in the, the Eagles' you know, offensive line was wrecked last year. Right, right, um, a- absolutely. Um, and this year, one of the concerns for Washington, I think, for for all of us, where we're all trying to gauge like what are they. One of the concerns is is the opponent is the schedule. Um, you got the first place schedule. I know that's only a really a, a handful of some games, but based on the opponents, their quarterbacks they're playing. I don't know if they're playing the best, the toughest slate of quarterbacks in this league, but it feels like it in a one-month stretch, they have to face, assuming Rodgers is still in Green Bay, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady, and then the other game is at Denver. Um, so the quarterback thing is is, is, is tough. So when, when you talk about not just, I guess, the defense perhaps taking a step back, and I know you said it was just sort of just the way things may break, but this team as a whole, how much – does schedule and the opposing quarterbacks matter? I know injuries may happen and it, you can't predict who will be quarterback for anybody in December, but like when we're all sort of getting big, this is the red flag thing for a lot of us. Like, boy, this schedule is tough and look how much went right last year. How much does that kind of factor in for you when you're projecting this team? A little bit, a little bit. They had the number 28 schedule last year. They have the number 11 projected schedule. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let me ask you about the offense. People, I, I don't know if you know this. People like offense. Uh, they like they like talking about quarterbacks. Even if if they like offense, they won't like the 2020 Washington football team. I mean, and it was God, it was dismal. Uh, so dismal. It was really hard to it, it, even thinking back about it, even having lived through it, that they won five of the last seven games to win. I know the division was down, but you still had to win the games, and they did even with, you know, what was it? I think you guys had the stat like Alex Smith. Threw the ball less than ten yards, like eighty-one percent of the time. I mean, his his 
his check down reputation <laughs> went to other levels. Of course, the you know his his medical marvel aspect that certainly factored into some of that. But regardless, from the offense perspective, it was very limited. And Dwayne Haskins, when he was in there, Awful. same thing. And, and that's the thing with Fitzpatrick, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that is so fascinating to me is when it first happened. Okay, they didn't get Matthew Stafford. They tried. That didn't happen. They get Fitzpatrick, and he's played well the last couple of years. At least better than he had at other points in his career for the most part. And compared to what they had, it feels like they just added Johnny Unitas because of the fact that like he's the ball's going to go actually up the field, right? It's yeah. not just going to be down. It's going to help you know Terry McLaurin and all these things. Okay, great. But on the other hand, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's the guy, you know, the Fitz magic and the Fitz tragic aspect of it all. Um, and there's a lot to to get into. Um, you guys in the section f- with regarding to Fitzpatrick has this passage that says, Fitzpatrick's presence brings a baseline of consistency to the position, but betting on consistency from Fitzpatrick is always a gamble. And so, yeah, absolutely. So I guess how do you sort of, when you're looking at how to gauge Washington, how do you factor in, Fitzpatrick alone should make this offense way better considering how bad it was last year. On the other hand, uh, <laughs> Fitzpatrick gets benched a lot and he gets passed around. And there's a reason why he has not been able to have a career that he sustained as a starter. So how do you kind of look at that, that aspect? I think that the easy way to summarize, to summarize it is Washington is likely to still be below average on offense, but much better than last year. Is like that- a, a little bit below average is a big improvement. Right. Uh, and I guess that's the thing, right? So even if Washington's like offense comes in, still not ranked among the heavy hitters in the league, it's it, as long as it's up compared to what it was combined with his defense, it could be, it still could be pr- pr- pretty good. I'll be honest. I think we have the offense projected 28th. I think we have them projected a little too low. I think they're better than that. And I would expect them to be more like 20th or 21st. And if you combine that with the defense that we think they're going to have, this team is definitely in playoff contention. When you say it's a little bit too low, is that is that just when the based on the numbers, yeah, or however it is it just, which is again understandable. Last year this they were so bad uh, that I don't even know how to uh, <laughs> how to art, how, how, how to you know how to articulate how bad it was. Um, with with regards to Fitzpatrick, there's this idea that he played very well the last two years. Not to use um, mention one of your uh, competitors' numbers, but QBR is a term that gets passed around a lot and. Uh, he's been he was top 10 in that each of the last two years so that's a stat that we all have mentioned repeatedly but again his career suggests that of just a a journeyman like how much do you you actually think Fitzpatrick really did improve a lot over the last years and not just improve for him but be actually legitimately one of the best I don't know how you want to say it 10 12 quarterbacks in the league is that an actual thing I don't think he's been one of the best 10 or 12 quarterbacks in the league, but there's no question for the last three years, he has been above average. Um, so it, one, one Fitzpatrick stat that stood out to me was you guys have here that last year he led the league in DVOA when under pressure. Yes. Seems like a pretty good, pretty good thing. Cause that's, that's going to be the harder component. And yet it, w- without pressure, he was 27th. How does one, how does that happen? It seems like DVOA under pressure should be really good, but the problem is performance under pressure is much less consistent than performance without pressure. It's performance without pressure that's the consistent, predictable stat. It's not like Fitzpatrick has historically been really good under pressure from year to year. 
So it's very unlikely he's going to be that good again under pressure in 2021, which means his overall stats are going to go down. Did you guys give him like extra, extra points for that one play where he throws the ball, completes it down the field, and his head gets like turned, his head gets turned sideways, he can't even see? No, it counts as just one play, but I've brought that play up when talking about Fitzpatrick under pressure on like every interview I've done. So, yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. You guys also mentioned that he was among the luckier quarterbacks last year because uh, of interceptions. And, you know, look, when they signed him to a one-year $10 million deal, I think we all said, okay, better or for worse, this is their their quarterback. But Ron Rivera has talked a lot about having a quarterback competition because he didn't last year. He said he, he, that was a regret for him. Okay, so that for he is saying that's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick against Taylor Heineke. Now, Taylor Heineke had arguably the single best quarterback performance by any by, by Washington last year in, in the playoff game against Tampa Bay, and yet we only have, in terms of his time with Washington, five quarters of um, of evidence to even look at. So, yes, he did play a, a, a tiny bit earlier in his career, but not 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 much, I would presume, from here. So, when you guys look at Taylor Heineke. How do you, is there even enough to remotely assess anything? And either way, how do you view him against Fitzpatrick in this you know, hypothetical competition Rivera's talking about? No, there's really not enough data to know much. You just know that a player who's an undrafted free agent who's bounced around the league for four or five years is just not likely to be very good. And yeah, we do have that one game against Tampa in the playoffs to use as, an, as a sample, but it's the one game sample size. And Players have one good game all, all the time. It, it's not anything you really want to take knowledge from. So I, I would expect Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback this year. All right. The, the Heineke Hive is not going to get um, much um, backing from me. No. <laughs> fair, 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 uh, fair enough. Um, just to stay with the offense in the last couple of seconds, I, I have with you here. Um, uh, Scott Turner was a, was a brand new offensive coordinator last year. And, you know, again, COVID, COVID, COVID. They went through four quarterbacks over the course of the year. Dwayne Haskins at the playbook, regardless of how it all ended, just even when he was playing early on, the playbook was dialed back to it felt like elementary levels just to get him as comfortable as, as possible. And they were able to do a few more things when Kyle Allen came in and when Alex Smith came in. But again, even there, some limitations. What, what did you see, if anything, or what did you see out of Scott Turner last year? Both, I guess, from the eye test is like what did you know? If you're going, if I'm going to say is he a good coordinator? It's only the one year, but like, what did you see out of him, and what did some of the the the, the data show that might be interesting uh, to you as assessing this team going forward? Uh, well, their run pass ratios dropped. They passed the ball more than the year before. That is good. They used play action above average. They used motion above average. Those things are good. They tended to run against lighter boxes. That's good. So all the sort of analytical strategic stats print, you know, point towards Turner being a good offensive coordinator in his first year. Yeah. How long does that, like, I mean, everybody, like I remember the beginning of last year, fans just wanted to throw him out because the offense was terrible. I'm like, yeah, he's got no quarterback. And of course I get it. Fans or fans are not going to be, you, you know, I would say the, the gist of what you're doing here is you're stripping out the emotion of, of all of this. You're, you're, here's what the data says. I'm not talking about what you think. Or what, or because you know, you're a fan, it makes you make, makes your makes your heart hurt because whatever. So, like, how long does it do? You, do you kind of need to see Scott Turner do whatever he's going to do before you really get a sense of kind of how if he, he is? If he goes through three or four different quarterbacks and they're all bad, you start to wonder whether maybe he can't design an offense for quarterbacks. But you know, given 
I mean, the quarterbacks that they had last year, given what Haskins did the year before with a different offensive coordinator, it's really hard to blame Turner for that. And, um, you know, I, it's really hard to blame Turner for the offense being so bad last year. You, you got to give a lot more time. And the fact that this year they add Curtis Samuel, um, Terry McLaurin has had basically no quarterbacks and no receiver help all this time, and yet he still produced. So you would think that would be better. Antonio Gibson was really just learning how to play running back before the season st- coming into the the NFL, we'll see about the offensive line. They're making changes at both tackle spots um, in, in, in some capacity, um, but they keep Brandon Scherf, keep Chase Rouye, just as a broad offense. I mean, you mentioned some of it already, but do you, I mean, it feels like, I mentioned Logan Thomas, there's like individual pieces, like from a fantasy football perspective, there's some pretty interesting stuff to get excited about. And yet in total, what do we think about, about this? But I mean, I think there's more reason, like you said, there's more reason to be optimistic about this group than maybe some of the broad numbers would suggest. The left side of the line is pretty meh. And, you know, Samuel is an interesting piece, but I feel like we, we, um, first of all, you don't know how they're going to use him because Turner and Carolina used him so much differently than Carolina used him last year. Yes. But I also feel like Samuel is, there's more raw talent there than there's been production. He's never really been above average as a receiver in the NFL. I mean, listen, you can, blame a little bit of that on quarterbacks, but um, he, he's never had a really above average year. He's still potential, he, you know, and we're four years in and he's still more potential than reality. Yeah, I, I really thought they were going to use him more in the slot based on what I initially heard, but then they go out and get Adam Humphreys and I was like, oh, wait, maybe they're not playing that way, but they also then draft Deami Brown. And you guys talked about this in, in the section about Washington. It's kind of, I feel this way right now. I don't right know who the third receiver is because I don't know where Samuel is going to be used Um most of the time um breakout player players who regress these are always fun questions anyone for either in either of those categories is there any one name for you that jumps out that washington fans should keep an eye on this year uh you mean for washington itself yeah uh i i guess my, my feeling is that gibson will not jump out as much as people seem to be expecting okay in part because fitzpatrick's game is not dumping down to the running back so his receiving, I don't think his receiving numbers will be as impressive as people are expecting. I mean, McLaurin's the best wide receiver on the team, and now you give him a better quarterback. He's clearly the choice to break out. You know, he's the breakout choice, I guess. Right, and that's totally fair. He has he wasn't like top twelve or fifteen in most of the basic categories last year, with but he was close with crappy. Quarterback. I would expect him to have more than four touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And I guess that's just lastly, and I definitely appreciate the time. Um, you know, it's so hard. I tried. I've spent all offseason trying to figure out what do I make of this team? Again, better quarterback. But at the same point, it's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. We talked about the defense as good as they are interesting. Are, a lot of things went their way. The NFC East, Dak Prescott's back. Uh, the Giants looked like they made some positive moves this offseason. Mm-hmm. And Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe meh, not. Meh on the Giants. Meh. Okay. Fair, fair, fair enough. I mean, a lot of money for Kenny Galladay, and I know people were the, – the Adoree Jackson contract, I want to say, whereas one that I heard a lot of people saying, boy, that was kind of questionable. And I guess Daniel Jones, we still have to wait and see uh, on him. But one, basically one point you guys just had is a, is a sort of a summary in some level was, given all that, meaning everything you guys have written about, given all that, it's hard to place exactly what this team is. And I was glad to see that you guys had that assessment as well, because I don't really know either. I mean, it's easy to say they'll go, you know, 
oh, it's 17 games, eight and nine, nine and eight. I mean, we can all say that. We probably will because that's just sort of easy. They won seven games last year. But in terms of the in totality, what they are, the division, all that, how do you place them at this point, what, what this team is? That's the nightmare, right? The nightmare is that they go nine and eight and they miss the playoffs, but they're not in the right position to draft a quarterback at the top of the draft in 2022. Like you want them to either be good or bad. Um, and they're kind of set up to be very average. Dallas is the class of the division with Dak Prescott back. I think our numbers back what Vegas says, which is that Dallas is the clear favorite to win the division. Uh, and then we have Washington second, and then we have the Giants behind them, and then the Eagles, who are really in rebuilding mode behind them. Um, but the nightmare is that they're just average. You want them to either be bad or good. You want that. Um, yeah, it, it's so fascinating. And, you know, the quarterback thing, I mean, I could talk about you this all day, and I know I need to let you go. But, like, basically, on the one hand, like you said, if they're bad, then they'll be in position like they weren't this year to have a top 10 pick. And you know, without looking ahead to the draft, presumably they'll be in position to get somebody. On the other hand, if they're good, even if you said, well, Fitzpatrick is good, but like we're going to move on, you don't. I don't think you even want to draft a rookie quarterback because now you have a good team. You're going to have a rookie quarterback come in here and play with a team that at that point might be contending. So then you have to go get a, a veteran. Well, <laughs> what veteran do you right? What veteran do you get? It's not often that you have even a Kirk Cousins, let alone a Drew Brees, available on free agency. Right. This year was unusual. There was a lot of movement, and maybe there will be more. But you know, uh, will there be a Stafford or even a Carson Wentz available? I, I it's hard to know, and that's what makes this quarterback situation that they're in so uh, tricky because you want they want to win, but <laughs> that may be the worst thing from getting a quarterback and and so on and 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 so on uh go follow aaron of course on twitter at fo underscore a shots that's a shot sorry s-c-h-a-t-z uh and you know most importantly here go join football outsiders uh join the the, the season-long package go buy the almanac uh aaron laid out where you can go get it on uh amazon or go through the website and it's obviously, you know, if, if, if you're into football stuff, I don't want to say nerdy because that's ridiculous. But if you're into football stuff, this is what uh, th- this is where you where you want to go. Aaron, greatly appreciate the time. Best of luck uh, with everything you got going on with, with the Almanac, with this season. And uh, wish us luck here that the Washington football team is interesting, yet not insane. Yeah, here's here's to a, here's to like I said, here's to either a good season where you outplay Dallas or a bad season where you guys have a promising young quarterback in 2022. Here's to not going eight and nine. <laughs> Recent history suggests that's where we'll end up, but we'll um, see. We'll see. We'll, we will see what happens. Aaron, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. All right. Many thanks to Aaron Schatz for his time. And of course, thanks to everybody here for listening to the podcast. Uh, more podcasts to come before we get to training camp. Um, make sure, of course, you subscribe to the uh, to well subscribe to the Athletic to help pay my bills and subscribe to the Standing Room Only podcast. Make sure you don't miss any episodes of the podcast. Uh, but that's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See you.